co-host Rach. And I'm your co-host Rebecca. And welcome to another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 2, The Cave of Two Lovers. While traveling to Amashu, Aang, Katara, and Sokka come across a group of singing nomads who suggest they take a shortcut through a series of tunnels known as the Cave of Two Lovers. Meanwhile, Zuko and Iroh are taken in by Earth Kingdom villagers after Iroh has a bad reaction to tea from a poisonous plant. Alright. Alrighty. So, Rach, would you like to kick us off this week with Sokka's Poetry Society? Heck yes, I would. <laughs> are you ready? I'm never been more ready. Here it goes. Badger moles can dig. Sky bison can fly. I'm saying I'd rather kiss you than die. I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad. I love that line too. It's so good. Such a good line. I even specifically called out that line to you when I was watching the episode. So it makes me so happy to hear it again. It's a compliment. <laughs> That's like my favorite scene in the whole episode. <laughs> I love that scene too. Yeah. I think that would be the most memorable moment if we were still doing our most memorable <laughs> yes. moments. Okay, so we have a very fun episode for you guys today. I'm very excited to talk about it. Yes, it'll be super fun. <laughs> and we're splitting things up again today. So we're going to be talking about the gang and then about Zuko and Iroh and their adventures. So should we start with the gang, do you think? You know what, let's start with Zuko and Iroh because... It's such a short, like, plot thread, and it's not as much fun as the gang, so we can get it out of the way first. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, you're right. Theirs is quite a short little part. Although, it starts out very funny. It does. <laughs> <laughs> the opening part, when we first see Zuko and Iroh, just had me in hysterics. Yes, Zuko is throwing a proper temper tantrum. <laughs> And Ira's just ignoring him, which is just hilarious and so in character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought it's just the ultimate culmination of his character is showing just how privileged he is by literally two seconds after becoming a fugitive <laughs> saying, I can't be a fugitive. I can't do this. This is impossible. Yes. I feel like he was, like, trying to get Ira's attention, too, but it wasn't working, so... Yeah, I agree, I agree. It was very, like, attention-seeking behavior. <laughs> yeah, it was suggestive of a child that was much younger than Zuko. <laughs> yes. But Iroh is completely distracted because he is looking at a plant. A very infamous plant within the fandom <laughs> oh really yes I, I'm delighted that you're introduced to this meme because it's become quite a thing <laughs> oh interesting I don't think I've seen it before it's on a lot of merch <laughs> okay okay yeah I just thought it was very relatable when he was first trying to identify this plant for me because especially as a biologist I often go out and especially my colleagues will do this they'll see something while we're out and sometimes it's a plant sometimes it's an animal and just spend like five minutes being like what kind of plant is this and we have some apps that we use sometimes to try and figure out what it is which unfortunately Iroh doesn't have man that would have been so helpful <laughs> right 
Yeah, there's a really cool app called iNaturalist where you can actually take a picture of something and it will try and identify it for you. That's cool. Yeah, pretty neat. But unfortunately, Ira left his smartphone at home. So... (laughs) As Lola has it. Oh, that makes sense. She took it. Yeah. (laughs) So he doesn't know if this is delicious tea or deadly poison. So great. (laughs) I did wonder if maybe the delicious tea or deadly poison would be like a theme in this episode. And I don't think it really is, apart from, I guess, Zuko kind of had a choice to be the delicious tea or the deadly poison, and he chose to be the deadly poison later on in the episode. (laughs) So You could say, like, the delectable tea is them going to face the Earth Kingdom, or the deadly poison is them going to face Azula. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, that's true, because they conclude, I love that part, that they were thinking that death would be preferable to being turned over to Azula. I mean, I really can't blame them. <laughs> it was very a very funny kind of beginning to their episode because they had a lot of like this visual humor as well. Like Zuka decides he's going to catch a fish and he has like this giant spear and on the end of the spear is this teeny tiny minnow that he's caught. And it's, like, just highlighting the complete incompetence of these two who have been catered to their entire lives. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, that's really what it shows, is that particularly Zuko, but also Iroh to an extent, because he doesn't know how to identify plants, as you pointed out in your notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess he's just used to everyone preparing food for him. And it's just, it's really funny to me that, like, a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 15-year-old have gotten by for months on their own, and Iroh and Zuko can't last a day without almost dying. (laughs) Rich people. Oh my gosh, so true. (laughs) We're recording this in wake of the uh, infamous Twitter post. Kardashian. (laughs) Yeah, the Kardashian Twitter post. So, uh, yeah, just made me think about that as well. Which is really ironic, considering Zuko kind of does have a private island that we'll get to go to later on in the series. Oh, really? That's hilarious. Why doesn't he just go there? Well, his family home, it's like a vacation home is there. So Ozai or Azula could show up there at any moment, which is scary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, As we've established. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. It is a funny opening. And I really liked the physical comedy of Iroh when he is scratching himself. Yeah, so it's not delectable tea. It is most definitely deadly poison that he ends up poisoning himself. Yes. And he casually mentions that his throat is probably going to swell up. (laughs) So they kind of really need to get to a doctor of some kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But definitely not return to Azula. So they decide to try and go undercover, I guess, and pretend to be normal people. (laughs) Which is difficult for them. (laughs) They're really, really bad at it, especially Zuko. Yeah, yeah. So they run into, I guess she's like a healer or a nurse, I would say. and Yeah, it's probably some kind of healer. Yeah, and she takes care of Iroh, (laughs) makes sure he doesn't die from the tea that he made right right and um they have really ridiculous names 
<laughs> that was pretty funny, too, because you could tell that Iroh was really mad at Zuko for naming him Mushi. <laughs> so he gets back at him by naming him Junior. So <laughs> Mushi and Junior. What a team. They could have their own spin-off show. I was also happy that Iroh's food and beverage corner returned in this episode because he gets really excited over the roast duck. That did look like a really delicious spread that they made for them. Yeah. I wanted to eat some of that. (laughs) Yeah, so the healing lady is very kind and says, you know, they should eat something because they claim that they are refugees, I think, which they kind of are. And they assume that they're refugees from the Fire Nation, which, again, they kind of are. (laughs) Yeah, true. So the healer that they meet is named Song, and she invites them back to her place because they they need some help, basically. Even though it's like just a little detail, I did really like the clothing that they wore, she and her mother wore. Mm. It's it looks like a hanbok, which is Korean traditional wear and... I did think the colors that they wore were interesting because in traditional Korean culture, the rich wore vibrant colors and the commoners wore white and muted shades of pink, green, and gray. So I think that showed a little bit of how maybe they were less privileged than others, even though they did have a nice house and and food. I still think they were more on the commoner side than rich (laughs) yeah yeah i think so and the fact that there were quite a few people living in the same house it seemed like Mm, yeah yeah i did not know that and that's a really cool insight i did think their outfits were were really pretty it was a really cute little scene and it was nice i guess for iroh and zuko to have that little bit of like normalcy and people being nice to them yeah yeah that's probably the first time they've had a decent meal in like weeks. <laughs> right, between the driftwood and then being on the run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. And then after that, Song is kind of outside a little bit with um Zuko and she starts talking to him. She doesn't really get a lot from him because Zuko. Yeah, he clams up around people he doesn't know. So. Right, right. But she does kind of empathize with him a little bit over his situation yeah so at dinner she had told him that her father was taken away by the fire nation so Zuko kind of alludes to his father fighting in the war as well and them being separated and then she kind of talks about Zuko's scar and shows him that she has a scar of her own And she pulls up her pant leg and shows him, like, this really horrific scar that the Fire Nation has given her. Yeah. And again, throughout, Zuko is not really lying. He isn't, no. It's kind of interesting that he doesn't outright lie. He just kind of says things that are true, but are not giving the whole picture. You know, I did wonder for a brief moment if maybe he felt a little something of empathy I don't know (laughs) I think so I think that you know it's the first time he's really getting to see 
up close and personal how people have suffered from the war that his ancestors created because he's been surrounded by other people from the Fire Nation this entire time and he's really interacting with Earth Kingdom people for the first time so yeah and just like the moment of connection I guess as well with the scar and the fact that both of them were scars inflicted by fire so I think that's pretty cool yeah I think too like he has kind of like the shocked face when she shows him her scar but I think part of that is her saying like the fire nation hurt me too and I don't think he's ever looked at it from that perspective of like oh the fire nation did this to me like he probably has blamed it on himself this whole time like I lost the Agni Kai I spoke up during the war meeting sort of thing and that probably took him aback of like oh wow she's right the fire nation did do this to me even if it was just my father like other people were complicit in that as well you know they just stood there and watched the fire lord maim this kid which is really crappy and some of them even enjoyed it like Zhao and Azula oh my god that was very weird yeah yeah I think you're right I just wish that this moment of possible connection wasn't completely ruined in the next scene. Yeah. Zuko has a lot of, like, take one step forward, two steps back moments, I think. And this is more like take 20 steps backward kind of thing. Right, right. Because he steals from them a mount. I think it's an ostrich type thing. Yeah, an ostrich horse, they call them, I think. Ah, yes. You're like, oh, yes, of course. Of course. (laughs) Of course, the ostrich horse, I know. Yes, Yes, I've studied them extensively. (sighs) Love it. But yeah, he steals it from these poor people who, as you pointed out, don't seem to be the richest people in the whole world. Right. They're not in the best position here, and they're obviously hurting, so. Yeah, yeah, and they shared food with them. Mm-hmm. and Zuko goes and steals this mount from them, which I think is really not cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess they needed it, but at the same time, like, you're taking advantage of these people's kindness, which is really not okay. And honestly, if they would have asked to borrow it, I think they would have let them take it. Like, they just seem like those kind of people. Yeah. Or they could have offered to pay them for it. I don't know if they have any money, mm. but... They should have sold their hair in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, why did they have to just throw it in the river? Come on, guys, think ahead. They clearly don't know how to think ahead. No, no, they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, I just... It frustrates me. Um, I even said to you, and I wrote it in my notes as well, that um, in this episode also we're going to talk about later Sokka ends up with a red mark on his face at one point from face palming <laughs> and I feel like that's how I am going to end up with Zuko I mean that's kind of accurate <laughs> because he just insists on being not great the one last thing is like we see Song and she like sees them stealing it and she looks sad about it but she doesn't do anything that kind of broke my heart a little bit. Like, it reminded me of the priest in Les Mis 
when, <laughs> when Jean Valjean is is stealing from him and he like gives him candlesticks and is like you can have these too like just so much compassion it's really sweet yeah yeah does she ever come back she doesn't sadly oh i hope she's okay yeah she lives on in my heart <laughs> i hope her family were okay with even without their ostrich horse zuko you did a bad thing you done goofed all right, should we move on to a happier part of this episode? Yes, on a lighter note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get to see some interesting people. The episode starts for the gang in quite a fun place because they're having kind of, I, I called it like summertime fun with the gang. Oh, that's cute. They are hanging out in a river in the Earth Kingdom. It seems like the Earth Kingdom is generally quite warm. Yeah, at least where they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've let their hair down and uh, they're all hanging out in their underwear, basically. <laughs> yes. I was wondering if this was the outfit that you were referring to last episode that Katara would get. Yeah, yeah, she's not overly hot anymore. <laughs> she's good. <laughs> Thank goodness, Katara. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny seeing Sokka with his hair down, too. <laughs> yes. He looks so different. He does. He does. It's like the 90s. Uh, what did you call it? The Leonardo DiCaprio hairstyle (laughs) (laughs) yes yes i think it's the leonardo dicaprio hairstyle someone was calling it something else i can't remember what it was now but to me it is definitely the leo dicaprio hairstyle (laughs) like the floppy hair and the eyes i just thought it was nice seeing them all kind of relaxing a little bit and getting to be kids yeah they are but Sokka at the same time is like let's get to omashu (laughs) i'm ready to go (laughs) yeah yeah well Sokka is having a rough time this episode (laughs) He really does. I felt bad for him. And then Katara is also teaching Aang waterbending. Yeah, I love this. It's a really, really cute moment. She's teaching him the octopus stance. (laughs) Yes, yes. She goes to correct him by putting her hands on his arms and uh, he blushes, which I thought was so sweet that I might have gotten a cavity from it. That was adorable. And I was like, Katari, you really didn't have to go over and physically correct him. Like, <laughs> She's like, your arms are too far apart. Like, you could have just told him that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's that cute thing. Like, when you have a crush on someone. I mean, I can't really speak from experience because when I have a crush on someone, I just completely... You run away. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but for some people, it's like any excuse to touch that person, right? Yeah, so. yeah. That's for Katara, I think, what she was doing. Mm-hmm. It was very adorable. <laughs> yes. I also thought this scene really showed how much they trusted each other because when she does uh, finish adjusting his stance and then they have that little battle, I guess. Mm, sparring, I, yeah. Sparring, yeah, that's a good way to put it. She is not holding back when she fires a bunch of like icy arrows at him. Yes. <laughs> But it's like she trusts that he can do it and he trusts that she's not going to kill him. Right. Yeah. And even when he does do the octopus stance, like it involves wrapping the water around your opponent's ankle. And normally you would then like whip them off of their feet. Like we'll see that in the future. But Aang just did it and was like, okay, I'm not going to whip Katara off her feet. (laughs) Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cute. 
yeah, it just it was a really nice little snapshot of their relationship with each other. <laughs> but then... <laughs> oh my god. But then... <laughs> we get interrupted. <laughs> but I'm so glad that we do. <laughs> Along come the nomads, who are just fantastic. Not the air nomads. No, no. But other nomads who have clearly been smoking something. <laughs> the good kush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're clearly enjoying life. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say their time on this world. Yeah, they are interesting. <laughs> they're great. And it's so funny to me because Chong, who is the main sort of leader of the group is voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who also does the voices of Momo and Appa. I saw that in your notes. That's really cool. He's a very talented man. Yeah, I'm glad he got a chance to actually say some words. Right, right. <laughs> that must have been nice for him for a change. Yeah, he's not chittering or growling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's cool that they put him in there. I did wonder whose voice it was, just out of curiosity. So that's, that's really neat. Yeah, and he introduces us to the rest of the nomads. Um, I just remember his wife, Lily. Oh, and then there's someone called Moku. Yeah, Moku. I like Moku because he's like, screw gender stereotypes. <laughs> I'm going to wear pink and flowers and... Love rainbows. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I thought that was great. And they are met with enthusiasm by Aang because he's like, nomads! That's great! I'm a nomad! <laughs> and then frustration from Sokka, who is just like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> you know, as funny as they are in this episode, and as much as they make me laugh, I feel like that if I was to encounter them in real life, then I would probably react the same way as Sokka. Oh, same. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. Because just, it would just be very difficult to get anything done. Yes, yes. With them around. As evidenced by the next scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they're making flower crowns. Which are adorable, by the way. <laughs> they're really adorable. And I'm glad I finally know where that scene comes from now. Because I'd seen pictures of Aang with the flower crown. So. Yes, that's a sticker on my laptop. So. <laughs> yes, yes, you made that into a sticker, I remember. Yeah, I'm glad now that I know. And uh, he looks very, very cute. And Katara also looks really cute. Yes, and Appa and Momo too. <laughs> oh, did they have flowers too? I didn't notice. Appa had his hair braided and had flowers. <laughs> that's adorable. It was all very adorable. In that scene, they start talking and I think they talk about where they're going or Sokka is trying to get everybody to kind of come move. back to their senses <laughs> and move yeah because they really do need to go to a mashu right right they then bring up a shortcut that they didn't know about <laughs> through a song <laughs> through a song secret tunnel the bop of the century I have to say that I thought all of their songs were pretty terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry if there are any big fans of these guys. I don't know what they're called. But uh, the songs are all pretty bad. But they were very funny. I do think Secret Tunnel is a little bit in a league above the other ones. but 
Oh, yes, yes. I do think Secret Tunnel is the best one. I especially like the part when they forget the lyrics. Yes. Yeah, I forget the next couple lines, but uh, then it goes... Secret Tunnel! Yeah, so they talk about this secret tunnel, which is also known as the Cave of Two Lovers. They don't really know the details at this point. They just talk about a vague story about two lovers who couldn't be together. They made this tunnel so that they could meet up. Yes. They talk about the tunnel. Sokka is unconvinced. <laughs> secret love tunnel. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Aang ends up agreeing with Sokka because... <laughs> I love this. He said, And we need to do whatever makes Appa most comfortable. Because Appa doesn't like tunnels or being underground, which is understandable. But it's like, when have they ever done that <laughs> in their entire lives? Like, they never try to make Appa comfortable. They tried, but, you know, it's kind of hard with a war going on. Appa, I think, also puts himself in dangerous situations. So. <laughs> true, true. He's a good boy. He is. He just wants to do whatever's best for Aang. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, it was just funny because they cut then, they have a very quick cut to <laughs> Appa getting chased away by a bunch of Fire Nation people. I do think that transition is hilarious, though. They're just all screaming. <laughs> yeah, it is really funny. Also a good, I guess, scene for 2020. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't go very well. And they come back burned and they're like, okay, I guess it's time for the secret tunnel. Yeah, so I guess they kind of recruit the nomads to guide them to this tunnel, which is probably one of their worst ideas. But they do have torches, so I guess that is one of the advantages. Even if they don't really know how to use them properly. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they're headed on the way to this tunnel and Chong keeps talking about it and adding on more information that he neglected to tell them about before, like the fact that it's actually a labyrinth and there's actually a curse put on people that try to go in. And each time he adds something, Sokka's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like we said, he's having a really rough time. <laughs> He doesn't know what to do, but at this point, it seems like they don't really have an option, so. Yeah, the Fire Nation is gaining on them. There's smoke in the distance, and they're like, all right, we gotta go in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they end up going in, and then the Fire Nation actually closes the tunnel behind them. Mm -hmm. I did like that even the Fire Nation soldiers had heard the secret tunnel song. <laughs> Haven't you heard the song? We're not going in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, right before this, Chong is like, oh yeah, I remember the rest of the lyrics. They die. <laughs> Yay! Oh boy. Unfortunately, they get trapped in the tunnel. But their instructions are they need to trust and love, and that will help them get through the tunnel. Yes, yes. This is very important. And then Aang looks at Katara and is like, okay, we can do it. Which is just like the cutest thing in the whole world. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like that he's even looking at the back of her head. So yes, they are wandering the tunnel. And I really liked how competent Sokka was at first. Like <laughs> he was trying to come up with a plan. And, you know, I just, I have this thing for when characters are competent. It just really makes me happy. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just like, yeah, Sokka's got it. He's coming up with a map. 
it's all gonna be good except it doesn't really work for some reason they kind of warned us though because that same musical cue came up from the first episode where he's like trying to teach the little kids how to fight and every time that musical cue comes on it's like this plan is not a good plan (laughs) oh nicely spotted yeah i thought that was funny (laughs) yeah yeah you're very good with the musical stuff i i don't really notice that as much it's my first time through I know the plot of this episode so well that I'm able to pick up on the little things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. I like that. So it's not going very well. No. And Appa's like having a panic attack. Yeah, because he doesn't like being underground, which again is understandable. Right. And then they come across a wolf bat. Yes. They end up getting separated because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Sokka flings the torch or something and it ends up burning Appa's paw so he freaks out and starts knocking up against the walls of the cave and and then there's like a cave-in sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And Sokka is so upset to be oh separated gosh. from Katara and A. <laughs> like I felt bad for him at the, I was cracking up at his absolute desperation <laughs> having yeah. to deal with the nomads (laughs) well yeah it's like two levels because it's heartbreaking because obviously he's separated from his sister and his best friend and so you know he's sad because of that but then he's also devastated because it means he's stuck with these travelers that he can't stand (sighs) that's just the universe again like poor Sokka the universe is out to get him yep yep it's a terrible horrible no good very bad day (laughs) so true so true so he gets stuck on one side, and then obviously Aang and Katara get stuck on the other side. Aang and Katara kind of set out and explore the side that they're on. Well, they realize something important about it. So they come across this door, and they think it's the exit to the cave, but Opera rams up against it, and they discover a tomb. In that tomb, they get to learn about the actual story of <laughs> the Cave of Two Lovers. Yeah, it's not as cheesy as the song. (laughs) It's actually very beautiful. It is, yeah. And we get this beautiful animated sequence Mm -hmm. that tells the story with Katara's voiceover. And I really loved that sequence. I thought it was really, really pretty. It looked like, to me, traditional Japanese artwork. It was really beautiful the way it was done. Yeah, and it it made really good use of color, too, because there wasn't a lot of color in it. But when Mm. it was, I think it really highlighted certain portions and made it just look really cool there's one section where i think oma is holding these red flowers and they kind of melt away and look like blood and i just thought that was really really pretty the way that was done oh that's cool i didn't even notice that the benefit of having watched this a million times (laughs) and the story is kind of i think in some ways a romeo and juliet story Mm -hmm. Because it's about two people who are in love and their tribes, families hate each other, right? But it's also, I think, a bit different because of the way that it ultimately resolves itself. Mm -hmm. Which is nice. Yeah. So the sad part is that the two lovers, so we find out their names actually in this, which is Oma and Shu. And we find out that, so they were in love, they weren't supposed to be, so they 
made this cave where they could meet. But then one time Oma went to the cave and Shu didn't come. Yeah, and I guess another important part is they're the first earthbenders. So they learned earthbending from the badger moles that live in the tunnels. Oh, yes. I shouldn't have forgotten the badger mole. <laughs> yeah, so they learned earthbending together, but then they were tragically separated. And what I really liked was how this story portrayed Oma's anger. Mm. Because she gets really, really angry about... Um, what's happened to her lover, understandably. And then the line that Katara has is, she could have destroyed them all, but instead she declared the war over. And I just think it's really nice because we get the message of somebody, instead of continuing the cycle of violence that they had experienced, they end it instead, and they use their anger to bring peace and end the conflict. I just got chills. (laughs) No, but like without giving too much away, this story foreshadows a lot of Katara and Aang's relationship. So interesting. I think that brings up a really good point about something that we'll see in the future. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah, I did wonder if it was at all connected to Aang and Katara's relationship because it doesn't seem to be at the moment very connected. Well, they're just in like these beginning kind of like you you just have a crush sort of phase I feel like like it's definitely hasn't developed to the point of romantic love or anything right (laughs) right yeah but yeah I just I really like that because I think we've talked about before about how this idea that like vengeance doesn't necessarily bring you anything Mm. Mm -hmm. and I think that we see that with Zuko he's just kind of continuing the cycle that he was brought up with Mm, yeah in many ways. So I like to see that there is another way. And it also reminded me of Katara's anger mm-hmm. and how it's been put to good use before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's another musical cue that we get in this part, which is the song The Avatar's Love. So that'll come back again and again throughout the series. And it always makes me tear up. (laughs) Ooh, the Avatar's love. That's so sweet. Yeah, so we have this really beautiful scene. And then meanwhile, Sokka's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day is still going. (laughs) Don't let the cave-in get you down, Sokka. Yeah, their their little side songs that they make up are pretty terrible. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But, like, as a teenager, I thought they were the funniest things ever, so. They're very funny. It's just they're not in tune. <laughs> yeah. Chunk doesn't really have a voice. No. A good voice. No, no. And Sokka is also terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he was also about to die from a badger mole, so maybe he was <laughs> not really worried about singing in tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Maybe he's better when he's not under pressure. But before we get to that, we cut back to Aang and Katara. That is when Katara gives us her master plan. <laughs> so they read this inscription that says, Love is brightest in the dark. Oh, so cute. Yeah, very sweet. And Katara's like, hmm, okay. <laughs> mm. So she comes up with this 
plan and she's the whole time she's kind of like minimizing it and being like oh it's it's crazy it's this crazy idea (laughs) (laughs) so crazy Aang's like what what are you trying to tell me like get to the point (laughs) she suggests that they kiss and I think it's just brilliant (laughs) (laughs) Katara is brilliant she is I mean, it's like a very safe way for her to test out her feelings towards Aang, I feel like, without being explicit or like potentially hurting his feelings or getting her feelings hurt if it's not like this mutual connection sort of thing. So she's like, all right, this is a perfect opportunity. (laughs) Yep, yep. But then Aang royally messes up. Oh my goodness, my face is in my hands right now. <laughs> face palm. Yeah. Yeah, this is when we get the line that we were referring to earlier. If it was a choice between kissing you and dying. <laughs> which Aang seems to think is a compliment and doesn't understand that. But he's basically saying that he would only kiss Katara if the only option <laughs> was death. <laughs> oh my gosh, poor Aang. He's just so flustered. Yep, yeah. yeah. I like that she gets so offended too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this kind of proves like the point that she really did want them to kiss because she, she just is so mad at the idea of him not wanting to kiss her. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it's just really funny. And we've talked about this before, but it's just a really nice example of two kids you know young teenagers acting their age right (laughs) because it's very realistic I feel like that Aang would not know how to respond to that (laughs) and that Katara would get really offended and yeah it cracked me up I was laughing a lot in that scene yeah it's great (laughs) and then we cut back to Sokka again and this is when we actually get to see some badger moles yeah, they're really cute. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were really cute. They were treating them as if they were scary, and I was like, these are not scary. I guess they were scared because the wolf bats were scared of them, so they were like, oh god, <laughs> if the wolf bats are scared of them, what will they do to us? Yeah, that's true, that's true. But yeah, they're really cute, and as it turns out, they like music. Yeah, so Saka kind of tames the beast with his music. <laughs> Osaka. <laughs> He's being competent again. So they managed to do pretty well, but Katara and Aang are not doing so well because they only have one torch. Mm, yeah. And it's running out very quickly. So they're like, what can we do? And Katara said, if I'm going to die in this tunnel, then at least let me kiss my crush first. <laughs> and good for her. <laughs> Claps for Katara. I agree. Good for her. <laughs> I applaud her her efforts. But so you think they actually did kiss? Yeah, it's it's confirmed. Actually, I think the creators confirmed it. Okay, okay. Because that's what I wasn't sure about. Because you don't actually see them kissing. No, they they robbed us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say we are Dan and Blair fans. We know what it's like getting robbed. <laughs> right. That's. That's not robbing at all. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I did thought it was interesting that they left it a little bit ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of implied that they did because later when they are just about to leave the cave, 
Aang is kind of like, hey, are we going to talk about... And <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Katara's like, nah. Bye. <laughs> she was probably like internally freaking out like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. My first kiss. Let me just run out of this tunnel. <laughs> That's very relatable, honestly. Yeah, and she probably didn't want to talk about it like, oh no, what if like he didn't like it? What if Aww. it was bad? <laughs> so she was probably just like, we'll just leave it as it is. Yes. It was sweet that they had a little hug, though. The Their torch does go out and the crystals appear on the ceiling. They're like, oh, that's how the two lovers found each other, which is really sweet. That's a really pretty scene, too. Yeah, I love the lighting of the crystals. Yes, and then they realize that the crystals will lead them out. Yes. Which sounds very esoteric, but is actually... <laughs> no, the crystals actually will lead them out. So they end up managing to get out, and then Sokka and the rest of the nomads ride on the badger morph. I like how Sokka got one all to himself. That was great. He deserved it after he everything did. he'd been through. He did. He was probably like, I don't care if these people never get out of this cave. He was hoping that the badger moles would just eat them or something. <laughs> yes. And I guess we didn't say, but Appa and Momo also ended up on different sides of this whole yeah. thing. Yeah, at least Sokka had Momo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's really funny when they meet up again because they start talking to each other and like catching each other up on what happened. You will not believe the crap I just saw in there. <laughs> It's totally what they were saying. And Appa's just like, yeah, man, I saw a lot. Aang and Katara kissed. Ooh. <laughs> Appa has the gossip. So, yeah, they reunite and then we finally say goodbye to the nomads. Aang is like, are you going to come with us? And they're like, no. <laughs> Bye. Well, they don't like having a destination, right? Wasn't that their right. thing? They like journeying, but not having a destination or something? Yes. Do we ever see these guys again? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it's funny, though, because, you know, the writers tend to bring back, like, the fan favorites. So, like, they noticed that a lot of people love Suki, so they brought Suki back. And, like, I definitely think these guys are some fan favorites, but maybe they've just exhausted them in this episode. <laughs> And it's also kind of like the tone of it is so light and they're so like kooky and out there like tonally they don't really fit in with the rest of the show honestly. Right right yeah I think it might be difficult to bring them back and not just do the same thing again you know doing mm. something different with them I think would be hard. Right right and like they're not any kind of fighters so <laughs> it's not like they can assist in the war in any way unless they like want to play some battle songs while people are <laughs> but I think that would not be very good for boosting morale like that that would probably just like ruin Sokka's entire life <laughs> probably probably yeah I can you imagine Sokka trying to fight with those guys oh my that. god no yeah you raise a good point that that was probably it. But, I mean, they could have tried to bring them back as, like, a background in-joke or something, maybe. But, you know, I guess we'll just have to appreciate the journey. And <laughs> I was trying to come up with a pearl of wisdom. <laughs> You're not high enough. 
This is true. <laughs> Need to get you crunk on some cactus juice. Oh boy, I'm looking forward to the cactus juice in the show. Not in real life. No. <laughs> Let's clarify. Don't do drugs. Yeah, kids, don't do drugs. That's the whole takeaway from this episode. So, unfortunately, we all have to sober up pretty quickly for the end of this episode. Because it's pretty rough. That's rough, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do want to note the very cute moment where the nomads are walking away and Aang kind of looks knowingly at Katara and she blushes. And I think Sokka knows what's up because he looks between them and he's like, hmm. <laughs> Sokka always knows. <laughs> what happened in there <laughs> while I was dealing with these crazy people? <laughs> that was very sweet. Sokka is very excited because he's finally done dealing with the crazy people and <laughs> they're finally getting to Amashu. <laughs> Except then. Fire Nation music plays. <laughs> yeah, I did recognize that music, Koki. <laughs> Pretty ominous. In fact, it kind of sounds like dun dun dun. It really does. <laughs> yeah, we get this reveal that uh, Amashu is on fire. Yep, they've been conquered. And there's a big like Fire Nation flag, I think, on the front of it as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Leaves us to wonder if King Bumi is okay. Right. Mm -hmm. That is the question. <laughs> yep. Um, because Aang still needs to learn earthbending from him. We shall see next episode. We are left with a cliffhanger. Yes, a pretty big one. Pretty heavy one after all that. <laughs> Whoa, this is heavy. So that is the ending to a very fun episode. Not so fun ending. But I really did enjoy this episode. I laughed a lot. And I thought it was really cute. And we get the nice story in it about um, Oma and Shu, who the city is named after. I don't think we said that, but... Oma Shu is because yeah. Oma and Shu. It was a really good episode, I thought. Yay, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it very much. So let's move on to our MVP. I'm going to pick Katara. Aww. Oh. Well, first in the beginning, you know, she's teaching Aang and that trust exercise was great. And mm -hmm. I didn't touch on this, but I do think that like her teaching style is perfect for him like obviously he has learned a lot already and it's like yay Aang finally has a teacher that's compatible with him thank goodness <laughs> and then I just think like her little plan in the cave of two lovers to kiss Aang without like super heavy consequences is really great <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's a really good choice I could pick Aang, like, for some parts, but then he, like, just ruins it when he... <laughs> he lost the MVP he title. Lost it. He does save everybody from the cave-in. Like, we didn't say that, but he did airbend them to one side and then get Katara out of the way. That was like, yeah. And then, like, after that, he went downhill. <laughs> Unfortunately, he, uh, he lost it there in the final innings. It's okay. Katara saved it. <laughs> I I like that. I'm also, I don't know why, maybe it's just this episode has put me in a weird mood, but I'm also considering that the badger moles oh. are a good MVP. <laughs> yeah. I like that because they, 
They're also kind of like the MVP of Oma and Shu's story as well. They helped teach them earthbending. So yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with it. And you know, I like the Katara one too. So we'll, she will also be our MVP, obviously, because you picked her. So let's say Katara and the Badger Mole. All right. Kind of a weird combo, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm the one who's going to have to make a graphic for it later. Badger moles coming toward me. Come on, guys, help me out. <laughs> I love that you know all the songs. I do. I love them memorized. It's great. It's great. I love it. And in the spirit of music. Good transition there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm working on them. Let's go to our next segment. All right. Which is the Ember Island Playlist. My choice for this was, um, by the way, if any of you were placing bets on how long it would take for either one of us to pick a Disney song <laughs> for the Emerald Island playlist, it took two episodes. This is a Disney song, um, so it is Love Will Find a Way by, there's actually two versions. The version in the movie is Liz Calloway and someone else, and I picked the version that goes at the end of this movie, which is by uh, Heather Headley and Kenny Latimore. And the movie is The Lion King 2, colon, Simba's Pride. <laughs> and I do feel like this is cheating a tiny bit because Lion King 2 is kind of a Romeo and Juliet story. <laughs> it is. But I feel like this applies both to Omar and Shu and then also to Aang and Katara a little bit. And particularly the lyrics that I thought really were fitting was, I know love will find a way which kind of alludes to, you know, the cavern and how love helped them find their way out. Ah, yes. And uh, I liked the next part, which is um, anywhere I go, I'm home if you are there beside me. And then also the line, uh, the chorus, uh, which is like dark turning into day, somehow we'll come through now that I've found you, love will find a way. So it's like the darkness and then the light. Um, I wanted something that had like a dark and light theme to it. So <laughs> Mine also does that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was my pick. I hope you guys enjoy it. So why don't you share yours then, Rach, which is, I think is a great pick. Oh, thank you. Oh, so I chose Lovers in a Dangerous Time by the Bare Naked Ladies. Don't be alarmed by the name of the band. <laughs> The one thing I knew them for before I heard about this song was One Week. Yes. Which is a very famous song of theirs, which is very different to this song. It is. Yeah, I, I grew up on them. Like, my parents love them. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And this is one of my favorites by them, actually, because, you know, they their songs are normally, like, really funny and sarcastic and, like, use a lot of, like, wordplay and stuff like that. But this one is pretty serious. It's actually a cover I think this is an 80s song, actually. Oh. Yeah, but I, I like this version a lot because it has, like, the violin at the beginning. And I think it's it's a little more fitting to, like, the tone of this episode. But the 80s version is still really good. I recommend it if you like 80s music, which is, like, my favorite genre of music. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So the lyrics are just, like, so appropriate. Like, there isn't a single lyric that doesn't fit the theme of the episode. And Oma and Shu's story particularly is what I wanted to highlight. But this verse really resonated with the the episode and that's when your lover is in a dangerous time sometimes you're made to feel as if your love's a crime 
Nothing worth having comes without some kind of fight. You've got to kick at the darkness till it bleeds daylight. That's beautiful. Sad and beautiful. Very appropriate for this episode, I feel like. I agree. Yes. And it's just a great song, so I'm sure people will enjoy listening to it. They're a little depressing again this week. (laughs) I know. I kind of thought that it was going to go in a different direction, but... That's okay. I mean, it's hopeful, at least. Both of them, I think, are hopeful, even though they're a little sad. We've got that, like, element of Katara and Aang to it as well. So, like, they're kind of the the more hopeful <laughs> relationship coming out of this. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe in the future we'll have some happier songs. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. The next one is going to be hard, I think, to find a song. That's a nice segue into our next part of the podcast. So what can we expect from next episode? I'm really excited because next week we are getting introduced to Tylee and May. Ah. Yeah. So that's really fun and exciting because Tylee is one of my favorite characters. And I know a lot of people love May and she's really cool as well. And we're going to get kind of like Azula's relationship to them. And then we also need to find out, obviously, what happened to Omashu. And even though the stories are a little bit separate, they come together at the end. So that's nice Mm. that we're not like having these two completely different plot lines. And it's a pretty action-packed episode. Like when I, I, of course, you know, I watch the episodes twice now. <laughs> I've been doing that. And when I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much went on in this episode. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I don't know that much about Tylee and May, but I do know who they are. I do know something about May in the future and her love interests. So I'm looking forward to meeting them and learning more about them. I also got a free May sticker with an order that I made recently. So that'll be cool to actually know more about her. But yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. <laughs> Me too. You can find us on Twitter at Ember Sayers. And here we post some fun memes, some creations this week. Our playlist, of course. And the MVP of the episodes. You can look forward to that. And please follow us on there. We would really appreciate it. And if you would like to get in touch with us via email, our email is emberislandsayers at gmail.com. You can send us any comments, questions, suggestions, and we might read them out on the podcast. Yeah, we are on multiple platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Please rate and review five stars, preferably, would be great. And we like to read those out as well. And with that, I will tell everybody to stay as flaming as Omash. <laughs> Too soon. Stay flaming. <laughs> the back of your head is ridiculous. You know you love me. XOXO. Oh, my shoe's on fire. Exactly, exactly. It's gonna be me. That's what I can use for my song next week.